If you knew me, you would know I use humor to mask my discomfort. I use food to develop friendships. Hi, I'm Leah Parker Belfer, a T22, and you're listening to If You Knew Me, a grassroots podcast dedicated to celebrating diversity, equity, and inclusion at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth. Hi, today I'm here with T22, Melissa Leung. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, So where should we begin? I love your statement. I I think it's a great two-parter. Which one would you like to start with? The first one, I guess. Okay. So as a fellow um, giggler in uncomfortable situations, I really um, resonate and empathize with this. Um, Has this been something you've done all your life or developed in most in your most recent adult life I think it developed initially when my parents would scold me but then mm-hmm. they would just lose <laughs> lose focus to you oh lose focus. And just start laughing in the middle of their scolding because yeah. they just can't fathom why I would do something so dumb mm. and so as I progressed through life I found that I've taken that nervous laughter with me interesting so they would be laughing because they would just think it's such a like a, such a ridiculous situation to be in. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so, then when you're in situations that you can't like really comprehend or you think are ridiculous, you laugh. Yeah. Even though it's supposed to be a tense situation in which I see you're supposed to be very stern and contemplating and reflecting. Mm. I don't know though. Like, is that society telling us that's what we're supposed to be doing in certain situations? I guess, but you know, I think my parents made me very fearful. But then once they started laughing, I was like, oh, I guess I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do you, are there any like particular moments that you remember where you laughed and you like think back and you're like, oh, I wish I didn't, or you're like, that was weird, or are there like certain memories burned into your mind? Yeah, this is probably a dark one. Um, my grandmother last year passed away mm-hmm. and um in typical cantonese funeral processions you usually have the funeral um casket open so you can see your family member and they're usually done up with makeup yeah um but at this point my family they're southern chinese so they're very uh, germaphobic mm-hmm. um okay my aunt said to me because when i was six my maternal grandmother pat passed away and during that funeral profess- procession no one told me this is not allowed but i like literally just jumped on my tippy toes and into the casket to hug my grandmother yeah. one more time before she was going to be cremated. Right. And everyone thought that was really sweet, but they're like, this is not hygienic at all. Please do not touch dead bodies. Mm. And was just like freaking out. And so last year when my uh, paternal grandmother was passing away during the funeral procession, my aunt goes, girl, do not jump into that casket. We all know how dirty that body is. And I just start laughing so loud well even I mean though... did she say it like that because that felt funny no she didn't she was oh, like okay. just very serious oh, okay, and she said okay. it in a very like whisper because sure. the ceremony was going on okay and I just start cracking up so loud yeah. because I just remember doing this when I was six and yeah understanding how dirty that body is I probably mm. shouldn't be doing that <laughs> I just I yeah I started laughing and people were like what is going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, gosh. And that's the worst part because people don't have context. If they heard it, it'd be, like, very clear why you chuckled, I think. I I don't know. (laughs) And do you associate – when you think about that reaction that you do, do you – I guess I I feel like I place that on you, but do you think – do you wish it was different or are you fine with it? Like, I feel like – 
I didn't mean to suggest it was wrong. No, it's a, it's a good question. I think sometimes I could probably handle things with a greater seriousness and kindness, especially mm. when someone is revealing their inner most darkest secrets to me and I start laughing. Yeah. Um, I, I have done this in situations uh, that should be more intimate and more serious. Mm. So I think in those moments, I'm trying to be better at controlling my laughter. Yeah. Similar to how, you know, someone might have to control their facial expressions right um but outside of that i think i like to think that it's a way for me to kind of cope with situations that i don't really know how to react to right um and i just have to be mindful and better at controlling it when the Mm. situation doesn't call for it got it yeah i I feel like laughter i mean it's just again it's like an expression it's like a release or something like that it's like a processing of the situation or handling of your emotions in fact i actually alerted my study group of that yeah in the fall semester I said hey guys like just want to let you know I laugh out of nervousness so if you hear me laughing it's not at you it's probably because I don't know what I'm doing yeah yeah that's what actually I was also gonna say I feel like so much of also potentially like quote-unquote problems that could result could result from this is just a lack of kind of communication between like parties involved because as long as they know like what it is and there's a better understanding and there's not that miscommunication aspect of you're laughing at me or all this stuff, which I think is that's where the problem arises mostly. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself laughing um, when it's – so it's very internal driven. It's when you don't necessarily know what to say next, not necessarily what they said is funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Got yeah. it. Just thinking back to those moments. Like, mm. <sighs> yeah, no, totally, totally. Well, um, I commend you on sharing that. I think it's I, – I mean, I, I, like, like I said at the beginning, I also sometimes out of nervousness like laugh because – or I do – I don't know if you feel this way. I like laugh – I like try to self-deprecatingly laugh at myself or something in a situation to like ease off the tension that I'm feeling in the, in the room. I do that when – I. As a form of commiseration with yes, someone, if right. they are really down about something, then I am more than willing to share terrible instances and laugh at myself to provide mm. the comedic relief. I think it's a way to um, show that you care. Yeah. I also think um, there's something to be said, too. I mean, I think it's really well said that, you know, you notice that there are times when it's not appropriate or you know maybe not be the best for the situation but I do think there is something to be said though for laughter and kind of easing the tension that we um that might not need to be there sometimes like I think I think back to my um my partner and I like he sometimes tries to bring laughter into like arguments especially like not consequential arguments and for so long I would get annoyed and I'd be like stop trying to make jokes we're having a conversation but um, he would always say, I'm just trying to, like, lighten the mood because, like, what we're arguing about doesn't really matter. Um, and so I think in some ways that's good, like, lighten the mood. Like, remember that it brings a little bit more perspective, too, into some arguments or some situations. Yeah, definitely. I think another reason why I continuously use this is because in Shakespeare, a lot of his plays involve comedic relief. Yeah. Among, like, amidst a very, very heavy topic mm-hmm. that's being discussed and shown through the play. And I love that that's always inserted in all of his plays. Yeah. And it just gives you a break from having to brood over something that's just not going to have an answer. Mm-hmm. So I find that that's more 
comforting to be in the presence of someone who is willing to just give you that break and emotion for just mm. a little bit before you have to continue going on to your brooding day. <laughs> yeah, it breaks it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we move on to the to the tasty food? Oh, uh, yeah. So another good story where I used humor to mask my discomfort. Yeah. Um, my family knows that I use this, too. Okay. So when I got a concussion, I had a cartoon-sized lump on my head, Mm -hmm. and my sister starts poking at it, and of course I'm kind of like loopy at that point, and she's just like rolling over it so I can feel how large the lump is on my head, Mm. and she laughs at me. She's like, Melissa, you finally are featured in an episode of Tom and Jerry. Isn't that so fun? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah! Oh my gosh. So now I have that forever ingrained in me that I was featured on the episode of Tom and Jerry where they use a large hammer to smash someone's head. I love it. Did you get photos? I do not have photos. I probably should not have been holding a phone at that point. That's true, too. Well, <laughs> well, you wouldn't need to take it. It didn't need to be a selfie. I uh, Yeah, I don't know. My don't sister know. might have that. How Was this a while ago? Yeah, it was an early morning practice from figure skating, and I was mm. rushed to the ER immediately afterwards. <laughs> so that's why I don't oh really gosh. have a great recollection of what was happening. Yeah, wow. That, so that sounds like a, a very serious concussion and incident. Okay. But I remember it quite fondly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, whatever gets us through, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, so food. I feel like I knew this about you just by, you know, living on the same hall with you. So um, you like to develop friendships through food. Can you speak more about it? Well, first I'd like to say you probably know this about me because I have my clankety-clankety tray of kitchen materials that I bring from my room to the kitchen. Very efficient form of travel. <laughs> but also great. It's like when you hear the bells ringing, you're like, ooh, dinner's ready. I know. You're like, who's cooking? Can I come? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do use food as a way to develop friendships because it gives me a way to understand someone's culture and Mm. what brings them comfort it's oftentimes through food and what flavors they find comfort in um i've definitely done this a lot for the people i've cared most about and especially when they're not in the happiest of moments yeah and i don't really know how to cheer them up because you know we're all here with new friendships where you don't have that you know years of experience with this person understanding how best to give them the comfort they seek in those moments Mm. so i just default to food and giving comfort food like a warm a warm meal yeah what's your go-to what do you make um for people that like represents like who you are what's your go-to um so during my year in germany i really missed cantonese food um right before germany i was living in dc so i really hadn't spent that much time with my family and I really miss Cantonese food. Mm-hmm. My German host parents, the, the my host mom, she's an intensive food blogger. <laughs> my host parents had a food studio downstairs to take photos of their food. Really cool. So she was like, hey, like, do you want to make Cantonese food? And we can make it a food blog and feature it on the German radio. And I was like, uh, okay, like, sure. I didn't know the extent of investment in getting good food. Um, yeah. We lived on the French border, so we actually drove to France to get all the ingredients and fresh fish, for example. Um, but my go-to, I think that is more palatable across different um, cultures, just mm. because, for example, steamed fish and that consistency is very, it's an acquired taste. Yeah, Everyone I Everyone likes that kind of like sliminess and softness is um, tasio, which is a barbecue pork that's done in like Cantonese-speaking regions of China, Hong Kong, and Singapore has it too, I think. Um, but it's 
quite yummy. It's a little sweet too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's sweet, it's savory, and it's just like a really good hearty meat dish. Mm. I remember making it for the first time for my host parents, and they were just blown away. They're mm. like, this is the first time you made it? I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh. We shared it with our neighbors, and our neighbors had intention that they would come over for the lunch portion on the Sunday, and then mm-hmm. we'd go over to them for the dessert portion. But everyone was just wiped out after the meat yeah. because we'd eaten too many pieces. And so we had to take a break and just sleep for two hours before going to the neighbors yeah. for dessert. I love a good um, siesta. But yeah, I've, I think I've made one, two, three, four, five tasios at this point. Mm. Have you made one here at Tuck? Yeah, I've made five of them at Tuck. Oh, wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. Okay, cool. Where do you find the ingredients? Don't tell anyone. But... It comes in a glass jar that okay. says Tasu from Naikamke, which is a very famous like sauce yeah. producer. And what I do, and this is also the reason why I cook this, <laughs> very low effort, maximum return in flavor and satisfaction from everyone who eats it. You just dump the sauce in a Ziploc bag with oh, and like pounds. shake right, yeah, and, shake and then meat. you just marinate it for like a day, mm. and then you just dump it into the oven and just you know watch it a little bit oh, so you bake it not like on a walk or anything yeah you bake it okay. yum when did this start this making food has this been like i guess it probably was once you had your own place but maybe it was something your parents like you grew up watching your parents do too or yeah i th- i grew up in a very large household so i have three older sisters and we were always off doing our own activities mm-hmm. um so my house is always really full of just movement but when my sisters all left and I was the only one at home I found myself kind of sad and alone so I spent the half an hour before dinner time just sitting at the dinner table watching my mom cook and asking her what she was doing to make the dishes that I love the most Mm. because I also had the realization after seeing my sisters leave the household that I probably was not going to be coming back for a long time to have this quality time with them right so I think that's where it came from and it persists because every single time I miss home or just want something that's of comfort, I can make it for myself and not have to just sit in the sadness by myself. Yeah, that's so real. So then what's your favorite, what's one of, beyond what you just shared, are there other favorite dishes you have that yeah. remind you of home? Um, I think anything that's like Hong Kong dishes remind me of home just because that's, my family's um, from Guangzhou and Hong Kong mm-hmm. um, and so those are the dishes that I love mm. um, my favorite 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 dish and I oftentimes like to joke about this whenever I come home it's like you know Melissa hasn't been home for a long time so let's go out for a big dinner and have like a big celebration I'm like no I don't want that my mom's like why and I'm like I just really want steamed fish and like the garlic stir-fried um, like water spinach that's mm. like my favorite two dishes and she's like Melissa this is like poor people food why 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 and i'm like because i can't get it anywhere else yeah. like you need to have access to a chinese market wet yeah. market to get those two ingredients she's like okay fine um so at this point my family kind of knows like when i come home i don't really need that big dinner to ring me yeah. in i just really want you don't need to go to the staples. restaurant with the lazy susan <laughs> those are great though i'm not gonna lie it's such a smart invention it's like this is perfect for sharing food have you had any um, great food here from fellow friends that might have made something that stands out to you? Yeah, um, Nigerian dishes, Kenyan dishes. Mm. Um, yeah, I think those are the big two because um, Natalie's cooked for me multiple times with her egg curries. That's Kenyan. Um, and she'll also add her own twist to things, which is like add a little bit of splendor or sweetener to mm. like a fried chicken. Um, it's, it's good. It's real good. And then, of course, I can't 
I gotta mention the jollof rice that I've had by a mile that was very spicy. I was like, ooh, finally something that's making Some me sweat. Some flavor. Yeah. <laughs> those are those are good. Wow, tasty. And do you find it hard to find time to do that while at Tuck? To cook? Yeah. Um, I think with any sort of, you know, moment in my life, I will always have a multi- like multiple things on my plate to do. Mm-hmm. But what I tend to do is just sit down, write them all out and see which one will bring me the most happiness. Of course, if there's like, an impending deadline to sign a lease, that's probably going to be the top of my list. But I like to put everything side by side to make yeah. myself realize that, you know, if I cook and I can share it with other people, it's probably going to bring me more joy and Mm. relaxation than it is for me to just like bulldoze through like my to-do list yeah or like read that article front to back like maybe we skim it and cook but i mean to be honest with you as i've mentioned before i choose recipes that are minimum effort maximum return on flavor so well now i want to ask um, as kind of a final question before i turn it to you um for last thoughts is there any dish in particular that is a lot of work but you're willing to put it in because it's just that great yeah, I think it's probably the herbed butter. This is um, a Kerrygold award-winning herb butter that my German host mom submitted to Kerrygold and won first place for. Mm, Kerrygold um, butter is good. It is, but you add all these other ingredients, lemon, yeah. paprika, um, uh, persol, I think it's what it's called. It's mm. like an alcohol that has star anise in it that I've actually used a Chinese cooking wine for since a star anise is also used in that alcohol. Um, parsley, I think that's what it's called. I only know it's like petaseria. I think it's called parsley. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Someone can write in and tell us if this is, if we need to update the episode. Yeah, or you can find it on my host mom's mm. website. It's called Coconut Cucumber. And I am currently working on the English translations of all of the German ones. But oh, bless. if you don't see the English version for herb butter, you can search Kreuterbutter and you will find it. Oh my gosh, amazing. And so do you, you've made it a couple times since? Oh yeah, I've made it for my study group. I remember um, good old Mark Manara got him uh, stationed for getting all the leaves off of the um, parsley. And putting it into the food processor, which you can tell is quite an arduous task. Mm -hmm. Um, And after making it, he was so proud of himself. He's just like, I can't stop eating this butter. And everyone else was the same way. Uh, Literally would just take a piece of bread and just dunk it into the butter as opposed to, you know, like normal people, taking a knife and spreading it. I mean, (laughs) I'm a fan of dunking. You know how much I love the Lazy Susan. So it's just on brand for me. Um, That's awesome. Well, Melissa, anything else to talk about, about, you know, food or even going back to the first part of your statement? Um, I invite others to share their food with others, particularly me, if you're making a really nice meal. I Mm. also love to get a fancy dress for any of those meals. So think of me when you are making your next meal. Right. And if you hear the bells or the the clink, 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 it's (laughs) Melissa or Cindy. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Or maybe someone else. I think you've started a trend here in the dorms. Yeah, I think a lot of people have their own carts now. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get one. So to end with a fun question, um, what is your go-to dance move? All right, so I'm not going to lie. Melissa loves dancing. She's a big table dancer. Oh, like gets on top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, clear, yeah. Clear the, clear the table. Part of it is because, like, I don't want to be touching sweaty people, but I still want to be part of the dance floor. So. Yeah, the air is clear, like clearer up there, too, if you get a little higher. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the night, when Melissa gets really tired, Melissa does a little sway. I adopted it from my best friend, Sarah, who just, you know, puts her arms in front of her, her hands holding each other, 
and you just kind of like sway from side to side from your left to your right. You put your hands where? In front of you, extended. Okay. And then you hold your hands together. Yeah. And then you have them kind of like in front of you so that it's least amount of energy put mm-hmm. into the sway. Oh, so you like let your hands rest. Yeah. Okay, got And it. then you sway from side to side on your feet. Mm. And you know, sometimes you get, you get a little bit loose. So you just like relax your head with this way and you okay. kind of look like a inside of those huge church bells. Yeah. And that's an indication that Melissa's very tired, but she still wants to party. Like does not want to leave. Like someone was like, <laughs> Melissa, do you want to, do you want to go home? You'd be like, no, <laughs> I'm here. I'd be like, yeah, but also, like, I probably am really tired, and so I'm waiting for the party to die down because I still want to be a part of the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you ever fall over or lull yourself to sleep in this uh, great dance move? Yeah, you might see one of my eyes kind of closing Yeah, because I'm just so tired, but I still want to be part of the party. I really, really like that. Uh, well, thanks so much, Melissa. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of If You Knew Me. I founded the If You Knew Me podcast back in the fall of 2020 to help deepen student connections and foster a culture of belonging here at Tuck. Please check out our other episodes to support and learn more about other Tuckies. Special thanks to my partner, Alex Mitko, for helping with sound production. If you have any questions or feedback on the podcast, or if you want to be featured in a future episode, please contact us at the email address listed in the description.